Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Today, we are once again joined by our good friend and colleague, Bridget Todd. We're so excited to have you as always, Bridget. I love hanging out with you all. This is one of my favorite things to do to start my weekend. So excited. Yes, Yes, because we do (laughs) normally record these on Fridays. You're right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Either it's Fridays or Monday. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Nice bookends. Yeah, Yeah. nice bookends. No, it's one of our very, very favorite things as well. And we're both, Samantha and I are both very excited with the topic you chose because we've been talking about it lately. So yeah, let's dive right in. Uh, What topic did you bring for us today, Bridget? So I'm super excited to talk about my new favorite social media platform. I'm going to call it my new problematic fave, and that is TikTok. (laughs) I have to ask, are y'all on TikTok? Both like a pause. Yeah. I am not, but I have a good friend, uh, shout out Marissa, who is very active on it. And she sends me TikToks that she thinks I will enjoy, which I will be honest, are mostly very nerdy TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> like cosplay related, a lot of like Star Wars and Marvel stuff. So that is my experience, but I am not officially on it. No. All right. So I am not either. Um, even from the jump, like I was like, I'm too old for this. I can't, I can't <laughs> be on this. I'm way too old for this. So the shame of that alone made me not want to be on it. However, I also get sent uh, TikToks. I love hip hop. So, uh, and I love short clips of anything entertaining. And I love dog videos, which feels like what is TikTok uh, in general. (laughs) So the things that I follow on the other social medias always post them up. So I feel like I'm part of it without having to be a part of it. But as a person who is involved in social media for our show, which I suck at it. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. I feel like we may have to traverse towards that area because I'm like, I think we're going to have to be a part of this to stay relevant, y'all. Yes, TikTok is, it's if you like nerdy things, so like Marvel Cinematic Universe, cosplay, D&D, if you like hip-hop, if you like animal videos, dance videos, it is the place to be. And I, I kind of feel, you know, I kind of came to it late to the game, but for a while, I felt just like you feel, Sam, where I was like, I am too old for this. I thought it was an app for the for the youth, and I'm not totally wrong. Um, the data does bear <laughs> that out, that it is it's a very, it is, most of the people on there are younger, but you know, there's something about it that I really love, right? So I used to be obsessed with that app that is no longer a thing, Vine, which was kind of similar to TikTok. RIP Vine is my favorite social media (laughs) platform. But through my work with Ultraviolet, we've been meeting with TikTok to, you know, work with them on their policies to make sure that it's a safe and inclusive space for everybody. And when we started those conversations with leadership at TikTok, I was like, well, I should probably probably start using it. And y'all, I became obsessed so quickly. (laughs) Like, I went from being like, oh, I'm too old for this. You'll never find me, you know, looking at, like, I'll never be someone who enjoys TikTok to, I can be on my phone scrolling for hours and just be having the best time. So definitely, (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. Do you, uh, have you dabbled in, like, making videos? I have made one. It is about my cat. Uh Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I want to build up the confidence to be the kind of person who is like, making videos of themselves. Also, I think Mm. it really lends itself to, you know, as podcasters, I think it really lends itself to bite-sized chunks of information. So it's like, um, I think it could be a really useful tool for people who do podcasts. But no, I haven't really, 
I've made that one with my cat. So my, my, maybe my cat will be the TikTok star and I'll just be, you know, her <laughs> stage mom. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that could be my thing. Um, I'll do that with my dog and just be like, here you go. It's only dog. And she's just giving you side eye the entire time. Truly, there are TikTok accounts that have millions of followers where it's just that. Like, it's like, oh, my dog makes this funny face and people love it. They cannot get enough. I'm one of those people. Yes. I think this is a path for success for both of you. (laughs) (laughs) So for the uninitiated, can you explain what TikTok is? Yes. So if you're someone who has never heard of this, or maybe you've heard someone in your life talk about it, or maybe somebody in your life is your TikTok correspondent and just sends you funny videos that you think that that they think you'll like. TikTok lets you upload 60-second videos to music. So it's a, a social media app. And how it kind of started was, it was an international version of an app called, I think I might say this wrong, at Doyen, which was originally released in the Chinese market in September of 2016. Um, It launched in 2017 for iOS and then for Android and most markets outside of mainland China. However, it only became available worldwide after merging with another Chinese social media service called Musical.ly in August of 2018. So I was kind of familiar with Musical.ly. Like it wasn't... It wasn't something I used, but like I was aware of its existence. And it wasn't really like a big thing until it merged or, or was merged with TikTok and became TikTok. And TikTok is huge right now. It has 689 million users internationally, and it makes it the seventh largest platform in terms of users ahead of other platforms that have been around for much longer, like Snapchat, Pinterest, and Twitter. And I really feel like one of the reasons why people are like flooding to TikTok right now is that, you know, I I like Instagram, but I do feel like there can be pressure to be sort of a Per, like an airbrushed, perfect, polished version of your best self. And I think for a while, that was kind of okay, but nobody wants a steady diet of people's fake perfection. And I think that people are just looking for a different vibe in their social media experience. And I think that TikTok, TikTok is where you go to be kind of like goofy or creative or clever or weird. Um, and so I think that people are just like, especially during the pandemic, like, Nobody wants to see someone's airbrushed, you know, airbrushed greatest hits reel when you're going through a hard time because of a global yeah. pandemic. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think uh, I, I was looking through my camera reel of like the year of the pandemic and I took like four pictures. <laughs> Just, and it's like my shishito plant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plants and animals, I believe. Um, and for a minute, TikTok like had that whole versus uh, Trump administration at one point. That's right. right? Trump was threatening. It, so it never actually shook out. Trump was threatening to ban TikTok because he wanted the company that owned it to sell it. They called his bluff. And so TikTok is currently not banned. But for a while, I think it was TikTok and WeChat. He was trying to ba- get them both banned and mm-hmm. was unsuccessful. I remember it was so weird because it was that time and I had people around me be like, go ahead and download it. It's about to be banned. It's about to be banned. I feel like they did an upsurge. Right. But then on top of that, at me who loves to play games on my phone, that's how I do it. All of the little ads ended up being TikTok. And I was like, wait, what's happening? I'm getting over inundated with TikTok ads. And I'm like, are they pushing just to get everybody to download it before yeah. it gets banned? Is that what's happening? I was like, that's smart. Yes. Well, Very yeah. smart. This, I did the exact same thing, right? I downloaded TikTok onto my phone and never opened it when that was going on, just because I was like, well, I want the option to have it in case it does get banned, you know? And I 
downloaded it and never used it until much later. But I wonder that mu- that must have had an impact on the yeah. number of downloads. Oh, yeah. I remember YouTube ads that were like, hey, TikTok is going to be out. You won't be able to get it. Go download it right now. And I was like, this is so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strange times. But smart. <laughs> Very yeah, smart. smart. Very smart. So earlier you were saying, Sam, that you felt like it was, you were a little too old for TikTok. Uh, if you think it's an app for young people, you're not totally wrong. TikTok is popular among the younger generations. The majority of its users are under the age of 30. 48% of U.S. adults between the ages of 18 and 29 have TikTok. 20% of 40 to 49-year-olds. And 14% are people age 65 and up. So there are some older folks on there. Like I follow a lot. Like when I see older folks making content on TikTok, that is an instant follow for me because I'm like, oh, I like that you saw this app that is hella popular with the youth, and you were like, oh, I'm gonna get in there and, and make my voice heard <laughs> too. So there, are, I don't want to make it seem like there are not older folks on there. They definitely are, but it is an app that is very popular with young people. Yes, and that is the that is kind of the for people who aren't on it. That is kind of the feel of it. And, you know, to be clear for me, like, I think I would totally be into it. I I know that some people get really judgmental of like, oh, the youths and their TikTok. That's not me at all. Like, I I feel like every generation does that. And it's always ridiculous because you did the same thing when you were younger. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's not so much like, oh, I'm judging the youth. It's more like, I feel like a creeper. <laughs> well, this is coming to check in all the youngins. Yeah, see, and I also feel like when I scroll TikTok, the number one feeling that I have is like, young people are so freaking creative. They yes. are so funny. They're so weird. They are like, you know, there's entire TikToks where it's young retail workers breaking down like how much they hate capitalism, or you know, young outdoor enthusiasts. Like it's like. Young people are amazing, and TikTok, hopefully in a non-creepy way, is my window into all the amazing (laughs) things they're doing, all the amazing things they're thinking. So, but yeah, I definitely feel the same way. And um, I think the one thing that TikTok seems to have that I haven't seen it used in any other app is the duet stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So the two features they have, so if you see a TikTok and you're like, I want to respond to that, you can duet it. And so that makes that your, whatever you're going to do, like your TikTok will be alongside and a side-by-side with the TikTok that you're duetting. And again, that technology is super cool. I've seen people use that in such creative ways where they can like riff off of different videos and you can duet multiple videos and people use that to like create these really layered experiences. Like people are very creative on the app. Like I I was in a meeting with one of the um, senior staffers at TikTok and she said that if you get your news from Twitter, and you think of like Twitter as like a news aggregating place, they want TikTok to feel like short form Netflix, which I thought was so interesting because that's exactly how I use it. The same way that I kind of mindlessly consume Netflix shows, I will definitely mindlessly scroll and consume TikTok content as well. Oh no, don't get me <laughs> onto this. No one will ever see me again. <laughs> I'm just watching TikTok videos. <laughs> right, and these features have made it or at least part of the reason why it is super popular. And it's not something that's going down, correct? This popularity. Oh, it is surging in popularity. In April 2020, it had been downloaded more than 2 billion times worldwide on both the Apple App Store and Google Play. In other words, it was able to double its number of downloads in just one year. And that's a pretty big sign that this is a skyrocketing app. And I really do have to say that, like, I think it was the pandemic. I think it was fatigue from other platforms. And I want to be clear, I'm not, I'm, I'm, 
talking about how much I enjoy TikTok, I am not saying that like TikTok is not without a whole host of its own problems. A lot of the creators have been open about sort of like the fatigue of feeling like you have to kind of, you know, appease this algorithm all the time. And like, it's it's not a place that's not without its issues, like any social media platform. But it does seem to be that people are abandoning places like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram for TikTok. And I think you also see marketers doing this. Like I'm seeing more and more brands that otherwise you'd see on places like Instagram really doubling down on TikTok as a place to, you know, reach their audiences and reach their people. Particularly things like fashion, you know, I cannot tell you how many things I have bought because I saw it on TikTok and it looked cool. Like it really is a platform that I think more and more businesses, brands, marketers are looking at because it's getting so popular. We know that influencers have pretty uh, much infiltrated most of Instagram. But when it comes to TikTok, do they have that same sponsorship level? I would say, so that's a great question. I would say not yet, but I think it's heading in that direction, right? And I think that's another reason why Instagram is just not as fun to me anymore. It's like, you, I feel like everything there can can kind of feel like marketing. Like, it just doesn't feel authentic, as, as authentic mm-hmm. as it once did. And I'm older, so I remember when Instagram first started, and it would be totally normal to take the most mundane, sad-looking pictures because it just, like, was it... We had not yet... We had not yet turned it into a place to be like, here's a very polished picture of me. Also, buy this product that I maybe don't use, you know? Like, we weren't mm-hmm. there yet. And so I see... TikTok influencers, and I see the, I definitely see like sponsored TikTok stuff from influencers. I don't think it's to the level of Instagram yet, but I do think it's definitely could be to that level. Like I see it growing exponentially. Right. And with that, because we know a lot of stars are created through things like YouTube. So people that I still don't know who they are and their names are popping up, I'm like, where did they come from? And realize, oh, they're YouTube stars. Is TikTok creating that same type of platform and level for these young kids? Exactly. So there have been folks who basically build their platforms on TikTok. So people like Addison Rae, Charlie D'Amelio, these are people who first got really popular on TikTok. And through that popularity, they've been able to parlay that TikTok success off the app. And so, you know, they get TV show deals or podcast deals. And so you really can see people building up their brands, building up their platforms through TikTok. And so people that you're like, who is this person? Why do I keep hearing about this, you know, this, this person? Like, they're famous, who are they? Maybe they're TikTokers and like maybe they're maybe they're famous to an entire generation of people, you know, that you might not know about. So, but you know, with that kind of platform comes big business, right? So, like, I know you might people might be listening and thinking, like, what's the big deal? You know, like, like who cares who gets famous on TikTok? Who cares who gets credited on TikTok? When you're talking about a platform as big as TikTok, that's gonna mean, you know brand deals, that's going to mean marketing opportunities, all of that. And so it really does matter when we talk about platforms like TikTok, who gets credit and who doesn't. And that's really where it becomes an issue because right now, an entire host of Black women on TikTok are, to use their words, on strike. They say that TikTok is really fueled by young Black women creators. And yet, those same creators do not often get the credit that they feel they deserve for really being the lifeblood of this app. And so Black women TikTokers are currently on strike. And it's resulted in some very, very interesting stuff on the app. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. 
That's one of my favorite things to watch right now. And again, it's all on Twitter. So I'm seeing things like by secondhand, thirdhand at this point. It was interesting to see what is happening because all I know is there's a lot of dancing on hip hop. There's a random girl who got a big shout out on a late night show. Mm -hmm. And then you turn around and you realize this has no spice to it. Like, it feels <laughs> like I'm watching bland dancing as yes. far like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how it's like, why do I feel like I'm just chewing on raw mashed potatoes with nothing inside yes. of it? Like, nothing <laughs> there to the it. Seasoning? There's no... Where's the flavor? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah, and that's what I was wondering. I was like, what is happening? And uh, as you said, like, there's this whole thing going on with the fact that they finally like, you know what? We're tired. We're tired of handing this over and getting a minute level of any type of credit. And that's only when they are called out for stealing, for stealing content. But I guess the other question to that is, can you truly steal content on platforms like this? That's such an interesting conversation, right? I mean, and it's, it's almost kind of like an internet philosophical conversation. Right. I would say, you know, the internet is an is a ephemeral place. And it's like, when you ask questions of like, can anyone really own ideas on the internet or like a dance on the internet or a meme or a saying that started on the internet. I understand that the internet is ephemeral and that part of what makes the internet so fun is people riffing off of each other, the way that things get kind of passed down and sort of become that game of telephone where you do a dance, you put your own spin on it, then it becomes this and it becomes that. That's what I love about the internet. However, I also think that there has to be a way to preserve that spirit of what makes the internet such a fun place to spend time while also making sure that people are not getting screwed out of credit and the success that they that should come along with that. And I think that we have seen time and time again where Black women, Black creators, oftentimes very young creators, will make something and then people will just assume that that thing that they have made kind of belongs to everyone. It's like public domain of the internet. And so, you know... People will popularize a saying or popularize a dance. And next thing you know, it's on a Taco Bell ad. It's being used to sell things and they're not getting any of the credit, right? And so I think that's the conversation we really need to have is what are the ways in which already marginalized creators are being sort of set up to have everybody capitalize off of their creations except for them. And it really does matter kind of who gets credit on the internet. There have been so many internet people who have like gotten famous from starting something on the internet, well, that's changed their life. A girl trying kombucha where she takes a sip and she's like, no, kind of gross. And then another sip and she's like, well, kind of good. You know, she, <laughs> she was credited by name for that. And they put her in a Super Bowl commercial and she made a lot of money from it. So this really can change lives. And for instance, you know, Sam, the situation that you were talking about earlier with Jimmy Fallon, so to break that down, basically Addison Rae is this, very famous TikToker. She was invited on the Jimmy Fallon show to, and for this like little skit where she was going to be teaching Jimmy Fallon these different dances that are popular on TikTok, while Jimmy Fallon in the background held up the sign saying, you know, what the dance was called. And if you, I mean, it was a cute skit, but like you would think that Addison Ray had come up with those dances herself. They never bought, like they didn't put on the card with the name of the dance who created them, right? And it wasn't until social media outcry of people being like, whoa, why are you erasing the Black youth and the Black women who created these dances, but spotlighting Addison Rae, who did not create them, who was just doing them and maybe doing them not as well as the, as the original people might have done them. You know, why, like, why are you doing this? And 
to, to the Fallon Show's credit, they said that when they uploaded the clip to YouTube, they did include the dancers' names. And eventually, after all of this outcry, he invited the dancers themselves back for a segment, which is good. But again, like, why should the people who created these things be afterthoughts while Addison Ray is given the spotlight? I think it really does call into question, you know, who is allowed to capitalize and profit on their own creations on the internet? Right. And I think that comes to another question in that, because we've seen it time and time again, we're hearing it constantly for at least a blip of how many times these influencers actually still creative content, whether it's actual dresses or uh, costumes or hairstyles that really will affect them in their profession. And it's kind of in that same way. Addison Rae, who I have really no clue who she is outside of, I saw that whole debacle and people were like, what is going on to the point? And then having a side-by-side, like, these are the creators who, by the way, do it so much better (laughs) <laughs> it almost looks completely different. And had you not seen it side by side, you wouldn't have, re- you wouldn't have realized it's the same dance. Sorry, I laughed because I was like, what? That's that? She's doing that? Okay, cool. And don't get me wrong. She has a beat. I have, I have no claims on that. But it seems to be a constant, constant thing where obviously something's being taken from someone that's not actually theirs and that's not never been theirs. So you see the Kardashians is one of the number one people who do these do this often where they constantly steal ideas from another creator, taking money away from them, upselling it, and then making all this money. And even when they're called out, even when they're sued, they still don't stop. It keeps going. Who truly, obviously the people who, yes, stole it. But how do we truly stop this from happening? Because I know that that seems to be problematic on every platform and no one seems to care enough to stop that. Absolutely. And I I completely agree with you. We see it time and time again. See, I actually think that like, cross-cultural borrowing is okay, but there's a right and a wrong way to do it. If you're if you're profiting off of someone else's ideas, someone else's labor, someone else's talent, and then not shouting them out, not, not trying to give them a platform as well, that's where I, I really have a problem. I, I've seen so many people do it wrong, but we also never talk about the people who do it right, you know? So one example of someone who I think really did it right was Natasha Bedingfield. Y- y'all might remember her. Mm-hmm. She did the theme song yes. to the Hills, uh, unwritten. <laughs> <laughs> well, on TikTok, a TikToker uh, who goes by Rony Boy, he popularized this really cool dance where you go in public and dance to a version of that song, Unwritten. And it was amazing. And then, and it's like a completely like viral dance. Like I once saw somebody doing it at the mall and I was like, oh my God, they're doing the TikTok dance. My friend was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, So it, it was like hugely popular. And Natasha Bedingfield put out a TikTok where she had invited Rony Boy to come dance with her. And they were, like, she was singing the song and he was doing the dance. And she was like, oh, shout out to Rony Boy for, you know, making this great dance to my song. And, like, it was really joyous and really cool. Nobody would say, like, oh, Natasha Bedingfield is trying to cannibalize this dance that they came up with because she shared her platform with them and gave them proper credit. And it was, like, a beautiful kind of cross-cultural moment that I... Loved. I think everybody loved it. And so I think there are ways to do it well. There are ways to be like, yo, I love this culture. Shout out to this culture. Like, this is wh- like where I got this. You know, this is the person who designed this. Like, I love the new vibe of like sharing credit where credit is due. When I see celebrities who 
will have a photo shoot or something when they tag the hairstylist, the makeup artist, the person who wrote the article, the person who took the photographs. That's so much better than trying to pretend like, oh, this is just me. Whenever you see anything online, so many hands, so much talent, so much creative labor went into the thing that you're seeing. And I think it's important that we shout that out and like not try to obscure it and make it look like this is just one person, but really sharing the, sharing the spotlight a little bit. So I do think there are ways to do it right, but I think that it takes a little bit of intentionality and a little bit of like humbleness to do that. I think that like what we need to be seeing is people being more intentional about how they participate in like cross-cultural collaboration or whatever you want to call it so that it doesn't turn into cultural appropriation. So it doesn't turn into people feeling like their culture is just being picked over and stolen from like a freaking garage sale for somebody else to, to profit off of, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. And that's something I feel like we've seen play out on social media on like all platforms. And then I'm glad it's moving towards the way you're saying, Bridget. But like, I've been guilty of seeing something. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'll take a picture and I post it. And I don't know like a piece of art or something. And I didn't go out of my way to find out like who did it or the draw, like the history behind it. And I think that's an important part of it too, is you should keep in mind not only crediting people, but for all you know, there could be a really dark history behind whatever you just posted. (laughs) So I think that is absolutely the way that it should be. And I hope that it's moving more towards that. Has TikTok had a response to all of this? That's a great question. So early on, TikTok was accused of suppressing content by creators of color, particularly for dance. In searches for viral dance made by Black users, for example, the algorithm often prioritized white creators' copies of those dances as opposed to the actual, like, Black creator who made it. And this is according to a report from NBC News. Uh, TikTok actually apologized and vowed to do better and do a better job of supporting creators of color and making it a more inclusive uh, environment. But a lot of these creators say that not much has changed from them issuing that apology. And I think that's really why you're seeing these Black women dance TikTokers going on strike right now. I think that people are really fed up, and I think that people really don't want to contribute to an internet culture or like a platform culture where they can be erased so easily when their talent is the, is like the lifeblood of the app. Right, and, and like you said earlier, some people... Like, this is their livelihood, and they can become huge. They can get a Super Bowl commercial, for instance, through this. So uh, you have a few examples you brought, right? Totally. So a good one, I think, is the Renegade Dance Challenge. And so basically, this TikToker, uh, Charlie D'Amelio, somebody called her the CEO of the Renegade Dance Challenge, right? Like, because she made this video of her doing the Renegade Dance to the song Renegade, she skyrocketed in popularity and basically became, like, a low-key internet celebrity, Well, uh, the dance was actually created by a 14-year-old Black girl named Jalila Harmon. And because even though Jalila was the person who created this dance, Charlie, a white woman, she was the one who skyrocketed in popularity and people would talk about her as if she created this dance. Like She was invited on television shows. This, This dance was on like Good Morning America and all of that. And very few people actually mentioned that like this dance was created not by this person who got so successful off of it, but off of a child. And it took people on social media being like, this was created by Jalila, not Charlie. And this really amazing uh, New York Times profile written by Taylor Lorenz, which you should definitely read it. It's so interesting. But those two things, that New York Times profile and just people, you know, 
making noise on social media, that's the only reason why Jalila was given, eventually sort of like given widespread recognition. But by then, the renegade dance trend had kind of died out. It was sort of over. And the star who came out of it, the the person who came out of it with the ability to get like deals and podcasts and TV shows was Charlie, not the 14-year-old creator, right? And so we have to ask what kind of internet climate we're contributing to when the person who creates the thing doesn't become the breakout star, the person who copied the person who created the thing does. And on top of that, uh, which, by the way, shout out to Julia Harmon, who is an Atlanta native. Yes, that's and right. <laughs> she, she teaches at the studio that I we used to do Zumba at, and I'm very intimidated by because they're all amazing, <laughs> just so y'all know. <laughs> Have you ever taken a class with her? Uh, no, because I would do Zumba. And that was it. And they do a lot of the booty shaking in Zumba. And it was a shame because I'm like, my thighs shake. My butt does not. So <laughs> I would not. Um, but shout out to her because she she's amazing. And I remember when that came out because I was looking through and, and how many times this has happened to her actually because that wasn't the only one. That wasn't the only one. Even still, that's still not the only one because she did, uh, I believe it was her who did the recent one where the, she was at the MARTA station and did this duet. Mm-hmm. And she just offers it up. And it's like, yes. You welcome to use this and take this. And yeah, it's fine to have it and have it as a duet with her, which I've seen them do a lot. But you have content where it's not a duet. It's literally just them being like, I'm doing it, haha. Uh, and we see that oftentimes. And I know, like you said, TikTok and Instagram and all the other places have actually been accused of erasing and censoring a lot of the marginalized community. So I know there's a big uproar with TikTok right now, especially during Pride Month, because a lot of the LGBTQ community, the queer community, have been censored and have been taken off left and right. Oh, absolutely. If there was one thing that I would say that marginalized content creators on platforms like TikTok and also Instagram all in unison talk about is that they feel they are being suppressed by these platforms. And it really is tough for me as a Black queer woman. I I don't want to go off on a whole rant, so I'll try to rein it in, but it's Pride Month, and it's hard for me to see platforms doing their rainbow flag and talking about how much mm-hmm. they love Pride and like, yay, we love our LGBTQ community, woo-woo. But knowing those same platforms do not give the same support to marginalized creators. And so it's like, right. when, when you change your, you know, icon to rainbow, how are you actually supporting the LGBTQ folks on your platform? Are you suppressing them? Are you amplifying them? You know, do you shout them out 365 days a year or just during Pride, you know? And it almost right. feels a little empty, a little hollow for me. I'm a little bit of a Pride Grinch, to be honest with you, precisely because <laughs> of that, fair. you know? And when we're talking about marginalized communities, If a platform is actively suppressing our voices, think about all the different movements, like world-changing global movements that have been started on these platforms. Black Lives Matter started by Black queer women. Me Too started by a Black woman. We are having conversations that can change the world on these platforms. And so the least that these platforms can do is not stand in our way and not suppress our voices when we do it. And time and time again, Black creators, trans creators, LGBTQ creators, sex workers, Palestinian creators, indigenous creators, all of them in unison. If there's one thing I have learned from talking to marginalized content creators online is that they feel they are being suppressed by platforms. That is like almost universal. And it's really sad because I think that these platforms want it both ways. They want the credit for, for like being the platform on which these movements, you know, happened. 
but then they also don't want to give those folks an equal playing field. They don't want to give those folks a loud voice. Right. I know recently, I think it was on Instagram, and uh, I know we're talking about TikTok, but it's it's very much the same. There was an underwear company who had different models post their own videos, and there would be all the exact same videos. But weirdly enough, it was all of the black models that all got deleted and uh, got censored and got flagged. They actually got flagged as being told they violated some rule, and all the white content was kept up. And there was this big uproar, like, what is happening? Why are you guys so offended by black women's bodies that you are taking this off. And I know TikTok kind of had the same thing of just pulling specific and flagging them, saying that you're suspended. Like they went a a step further instead of just like, oh, we're not going to just push you up. We're taking you off, flagging you and telling you're about to be deleted from this account. Absolutely. What I've seen people talking about on TikTok specifically is that on TikTok, you're not allowed to have nudity. And so if you have nudity or like perceived nudity on your content, they'll flag it, they'll take it down, they'll suspend, you know, whatever. And how they define what is nudity that violates their policies, it seems like if you are white and if you are thin, you kind of get a pass. And if you are someone who is not thin or someone who is not white, your nudity is like more against their policies than someone else's nudity, I guess. And again, I think that we really need to have some honest, open conversations about these platforms that can shape so much of how we live our lives. Like the average user of TikTok is very young. And so if you have an algorithm that is telling them, if if your body looks like this, it's offensive and needs to come down, young people are really going to internalize that, you know? And it's like, we need to take some responsibility for the digital climate that we're creating, particularly for our young people. Like it, it is critically important that we all understand how important it is that these platforms be good stewards of their content and and good stewards of like the way they are shaping generations and minds. Like on TikTok also, it's like they have a lot of content that is almost kind of like promoting eating disorders or like like disordered Mm -hmm. eating. And it's like people who make this content have all of these tricky ways of getting around it, getting around. And so like that content is like banned on TikTok. You're not meant to be uploading it, but people have all of these ways of getting around it. And it's like, right. these things are urgent. It cannot wait. And so if you don't have a team that can moderate this stuff effectively, take it down with the quickness, it's just critically important. They're talking about people's well-being, like the, the well-being of our young people. Right. And I think it's really interesting that when it comes to Black creators, marginalized creators, they are being hit on every way, whether it's completely censoring them or just not pushing them forward. So literally being like, okay, this is too much, so we're not going to allow this to happen. Oh, you're good, but it's not going to be as good as this white person who's taking your content can do better. And so with all of that, do you think things like this type of strike is going to actually be effective and will work? Yes, I absolutely, 100%, like, I'm, I am a, I'm a big believer in, like, unions and striking, so I am always, like, solidarity. If you're, if you're striking, I support you 100%. <laughs> like, you have my support. Yeah, I think that what I'm, what I'm so interested in with these creators who are striking on TikTok is that they recognize that, like, there is no platform, really, without them. And, and that collective power, I think, I'm so glad that these young people are, like, seeing the power in the collective. And it's absolutely true, right? Like, 
you know, TikTok is such a big platform. So usually how it works is like when a new single drops, like TikTok is the platform to sort of market and promote that. And so when a new single drops, usually Black women dancers will make a dance to the song. And that kind of becomes the dance to that song. And, you know, other people will film themselves doing that dance and that the song kind of gets more marketing, gets more popular through that. And so that's generally how it has worked. But these Black women dancers and creators are saying no more. They are on strike. So this new Megan Thee Stallion song just dropped. Uh, thought, sh- and it's like the, it's like of course it's a song that should have a, an accompanying TikTok dance. Well, these black women TikTokers are saying no more. We're not going to make a make a, a a dance to promote this song to help. Our unpaid labor is not going to go to promote this app that does not support us, does, does not amplify us, and we're on strike. So here's a good quote from Amanda Bennett. She's the co-founder of the consultancy firm Define and Empower, and she made a viral TikTok explaining the strike. She says, Black creators are tired of white people profiting off of our work and appropriating Black culture. We've seen the ways that older generations of Black creators have been disrespected and erased, and we're not having it anymore. And I think she is so right that for a long time, it was just a given that people like Jalila would just be like, oh, you're just gonna, you're, you're not gonna get as famous as the person who does your dance. And like, that's just the way it is. You're gonna be an afterthought on something that you created. That's just the way it is. I am so happy to see these youth really have a different understanding of what could be possible from these platforms. And they're absolutely right. There is no reason why platforms like TikTok should not be adequately supporting and amplifying their work when that work fuels their platforms and lines the pockets of the people who run this app, right? And so absolutely, I think they're exactly right. What's funny, though, is that in absence of these Black women dancers kind of creating the dance for this Megan Thee Stallion song, other creators have sort of like stepped in and tried to fill that void. And the results have been uh, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the whole thing, though, is that um, not that I'm a creator. I'm not in any of the ways. I can follow a move here and there, and I would never pretend to be. But it feels like in Megan Thee Stallion's song, she kind of gives instructions, does she not? She says, hands <laughs> on my knees, shake an ass on my thoughts. It's pretty clear. So if you thought you heard that and you were like, I'm going to come up with a, a dance for this, it does seem like you would put your hands on your knees and shake your ass, right? Right, right, right. Seems like it. But, this, but the, the dance that has sort of like emerged is people with their hands in the air and waving them above their head. So like pretty right. far from the knees, you know? Right. The opposite direction. I feel the like that is the opposite. Maybe I don't know. It's, it's, it is interesting. I mean... Uh, my friend, my good friend, Leslie Mack on Twitter, she tweeted out a collection of all these videos and it was hysterical. You know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some great dancer, but it does seem like the instructions are right there. Like, I can tell you what you should be doing. <laughs> I mean, to be fair for these people uh, that are trying their hardest, maybe they're like me and they know their assets do not match these instructions. <laughs> Same. I am I am also I also deal with the same affliction. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all in good fun. And I and honestly, like I anybody who has the courage to like dance on an app, I salute you because right. I, I certainly do not. But I think it does show that like when black creators don't, you know, do the labor of coming up with a dance, it's not as good. It's, it's, it's like awkward. It's like not, it's like not as it's not as, it doesn't feel as authentic. And I think that, that, that 
it really illustrates the power that these creators have over the platform, right? I think it can feel like when you're a, a user of social media, I think it can feel like you don't have any power that, you know, whatever Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey or whoever, whatever little decisions they make in the algorithm or whatever little decisions they make in their platform, you are just subjected to those. And I don't think it should be that way. And, and I, I really salute these Black creators for saying, no, we're not, we don't have to just take whatever policies or platform, uh, you know, or algorithmic, whatever you throw at us. We have some say because we have some power and that there is so much power in the collective. So I am, I am, shout out to these young people for recognizing their collective power and, and organizing the strike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've made me want to check out TikTok. <laughs> I know we're talking about a lot of problems, but now I'm like, ooh, I want to see what I can find on there. It is a fun, like, <laughs> like, like any platform, it has its problems, but like, it is a, it is a platform that I deeply, deeply enjoy. There, for, for every like problematic thing about it, I do think it's, I think it's new enough of a platform that like, it doesn't really know what it's going to be yet. And I think there is mm -hmm, so much right. potential for it to be something that is a net positive on society. I would love to see that. Uh, and I think it's possible. Yeah. So knowing that this is a newer platform and we may be able to influence, is there a way that we can make sure that the same mistakes on Instagram and Twitter uh, in trying to avoid erasure and trying to allow for the appropriate people to be up on this platform? Is there a way that we can help with that? I would say if you are someone, and this is true across platforms, if you are someone who is on the platform, do whatever you can to support marginalized creators on that platform. So if you come across a, a video or a TikTok or an Instagram post, make sure that you are showing that post some love if it's a, a marginalized creator that you like and you like their content, because it really will help them get more support. Um, that's something that anybody can do. Like if you come across, like show them some love, leave them a comment, engage with their post, because that will definitely help them be seen. However, it's one of those things, like it's a little bit like climate change where it's like, Indi there are things that individual users can do, but ultimately the people with power should be the ones who are, who are, you know, making the calls and doing the decisions and all of that. And so we need to continue to pressure those folks. Uh, one way that folks can help, this is not about TikTok, but fun fact, uh, in Facebook recently announced plans to release an Instagram for kids. A handful of attorneys general across the country all got together and said, please don't do this. This is going to be so harmful to youth, especially girls, because we know that it is young girls who really bear the brunt of the harm of social media companies. We know that social media platforms, we, like if you're on social media, you've probably felt the way that it has like harmed your mental health at some point or another. And giving kids unfettered access to a platform like that's quote for them is so harmful. And, and further adds a burden to parents, many of whom right now are just like completely overworked trying to do like virtual school and work or whatever. And so I think that our kids' health is more important than lining the pockets of Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook's shareholders. And if you agree, you can go to weareultraviolet.org and check out our petition asking Facebook to not come up with an Instagram for kids to please stop this plan. Because I think it really will harm a new generation of, mo of like girls and young people in a, in a really serious way. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, both Samantha and I have looks of horror on our face. <laughs> It's bad. Imagine. <laughs> oh, no. And if people are actually worried about sex trafficking, this should be something that that's number one on their yeah. list. It, like, we don't need an Instagram for kids. Like, we just, like, we just don't need, like, who asked for this? We don't need it. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, anything, anything you want to say before we wrap up here? 
Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I, I want like marginalized, underrepresented creators support us. Support us on platforms like TikTok, offline, online, support. <laughs> yes. And speaking of Bridget, where can the listeners find you? Well, you can subscribe to my podcast. There are no girls on the internet on this very network. You can follow me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC or on Twitter at Bridget Marie or on TikTok if you want to see my one cat TikTok <laughs> at Bridget Todd Makes Podcast. <laughs> I bet it's amazing, Bridget. I'm excited. My cat, Monica, she's a star. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to go she places. Really Make sure to credit Monica, everyone. Yes, credit Monica. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much as always for being here, Bridget. Always a delight. Oh, my pleasure. And listeners, if you would like to contact us, you can or email us stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 